Welcome to Harvest Mission Community Church. You are listening to one of our sermons. If you have your Bibles, I'll turn to Genesis chapter 12. Genesis chapter 12. If you haven't noticed by now, we're going to start a whole new series as we finished off the book of Ruth. And as we're looking into this new series, I'm praying that God will give us a greater vision for the future as we are trying to move forward in faith and trusting God that he will continue to do what he has promised unto us. So as you're turning to Genesis chapter 12, please remember uh, on our church app, you can download it. We have the notes there so you can follow along and hopefully it'll be a a blessing to you. Uh, I'm just wondering how many of us have ever felt this strong sense or maybe the better way, you just felt as if God was speaking to you to do something that might be a little bit risky. So just think about that for a moment. That on a given day, there are so many times, and if you want to look at it as opportunities, where God is trying to speak to you. He's trying to speak to me about things that he wants us to do, to be able to step out and fully trust him and to do things by faith. Uh, For example, it might be at work, at the workplace where you're working and you get the sense that maybe God wants you to talk to your co-worker because you're just sensing that maybe they're going through a hard time. It might be some of you who are students who are at the university and you're, you're sensing that there's this person who's sitting by themselves in the cafeteria and you're, you're feeling as if God is trying to prompt you to go sit next to that person and talk to them. You don't know why, but you're getting the sense that that's what God wants you to do. It might be when you're in transit, whether on bus, minibus, maybe the MTR, and in a taxi, and you're getting this sense that God wants you to maybe possibly pray for that person. I mean, we're talking about this sounds so crazy that you just know deep in your heart, like, is this God? You're wondering, is this God? Or is it just what I'm feeling or what I'm thinking? It might be at times when you're reading your Bible. And as you're reading the Bible, you're getting this conviction from God that God wants you to do something specific. And I think if you have ever experienced any of these things that I just mentioned, you know that it's not easy to have faith and believe. Not only is it possibly from God, but to actually step out and to obey and do the very thing that God is speaking to you in that moment. I think if you're like me, I think it's easy in those moments to always question, is it just me or is it just kind of what I'm feeling or is it really the Spirit of God? Is it it God's voice? Is He actually speaking and telling me something that I need to do or is it just my imagination? I want to show you this video. It's a, a, a quick testimony by Derek Carr. Those of you who don't know who he is, uh, there's a picture of him up here, so you can look at it. And he's a American NFL, the National Football League, a quarterback for the former Oakland and the former Los Angeles and now the Las Vegas Raiders. And he shares about a time when God actually spoke to him during an opportunity where he had to share his life story. And he was sharing about how God spoke to him to do something. And he wasn't really sure because, once again, like some of the things that God tells us to do, it, it could be way out there. It could be very risky. 
and you're wondering, I'm going to look like a fool. This is not going to, what if it's not God? Then it's going to look really bad. So he was in that moment and he stepped out in faith. And I want you to listen to his testimony and how God used that in obedience to what God was speaking to him about and how God blessed him. So let's watch this together. Amen. What great testimony and a good reminder. Can you imagine the risk that was involved for him to actually say there's somebody in this room that's thinking about committing suicide? Because if no one stood up, no one raised their hand, no one came forward, uh, it would look really foolish. But once again, he felt that this was something that the Holy Spirit was speaking to him about, and then he took the step of faith. I'm sharing this because when we listen to God and obey Him by faith, we will see great things happen. And this is something that I've been longing for, praying for, especially in our church. You know, rarely do you hear these kind of powerful testimonies uh, in our lives. And I, I think a lot of it is not because uh, it's an issue with God. A lot of it is, comes down to us, our lack of faith, our lack of awareness, and what it is that God is trying to speak to us about our lack of intimacy and communion with God so we could distinguish when it's his voice or when it's our own imagination also it's about courage and confidence in God that's what faith is really about having not confidence in yourself but in God to believe that this is what he's calling you to do this is what he's enabling you and he will enable you to do it and so when then you step out and trust in him that God does great things when was the last time in our church or even in your life group you've heard these types of testimonies of God speaking, telling us something, and in humility and obedience to God, we step out in faith, and then God does some amazing things. I'm praying that in our church we will see more of this. One of the big issues is that you have, in a church, you have so many people who have head knowledge about who God is. And we have become spiritually fat, if you will, because we're just taking in all this information about God, but we're never living it out day to day. And the more we begin to step out, I believe that's when we're going to see God use us powerfully for his glory. So we're starting this new series called Forward, and we decided to kind of go in this direction because the last five to six months, ever since February, we started off a series called Nevertheless, we were looking into the character of God that in the midst of trials, in the midst of difficulties, and even persecution, that God is still in control. We talked about His sovereignty. We talked about His goodness. But nevertheless, no matter what we're going through, that God is still God, and He will work in our lives. And we began to even just finish off the book of Ruth, as I mentioned, and we talked about God's providence. Once again, His sovereignty, that He's working out all things for the good. And as we were talking about this, we realized we focused a lot on who God is the last five some months. And the thought was, it's great that we talk about God, but also we want to challenge you as members in our church to be able to say, this is what I'm understanding about God. Now, what is it that I'm going to do about this new understanding or this new insight to who God is? And so with this forward series, I'm just praying that we will respond to God in obedience and in faith. So we're just going to go through a four-part series. Let me just quickly go over this. Uh, part one, we're going to talk about forward in obedience, which we'll talk about today. 
We're going to talk about forward and investment. What does that mean? Investment as we invest our time, treasures, everything that we have so that we can accomplish greater things that we have only imagined that we can do, but God will do it as we do our part. Part three, I'm going to talk about forward and partnership. What does it mean to partner together, especially focusing on prayer? Why is it, that's a very crucial part of responding to God in obedience and in faith. And then the last part is forward in faith and just living every single uh, day, trusting in his promises and believing that God's going to do some great things. So those are the four things today I want to talk about forward in obedience. So let me give us the one thing. The one thing is simply this, that God will initiate our faith, but we must activate our faith. This is so important because a lot of times we try to muster up this faith in our lives, but we have to understand and believe that it's God who initiates it. It's God who moves within our lives, within our hearts, so that we don't get any credit, we don't get any glory. It's not about a human paradigm or a works paradigm, but it's God who's initiating, moving in our hearts. And then from there, we have to activate it by responding to him and stepping out. So I want to talk about that, that God will initiate our faith, but we have to activate our faith. So two things I'm going to focus in on on this passage, Genesis chapter 12, verse 1 through 9. I'm going to focus in on these two things. The first thing is this, that we must step out with God's promises. Part of activating our faith especially when God initiates that in our lives, is that you have to respond by stepping out in faith, but most of all, with the promises of God. Let's go ahead and read verses 1 and 3 of Genesis chapter 12. And this is what the Word of God says. I'm going to read from the ESV. It says this, Now the Lord said to Abram, Go from your country and your kindred and your father's house to the land that I will show you. And I will make of you a great nation and I will bless you and make your name great so that you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you and him who dishonors you I will curse and in you all the families of the earth shall be blessed. Let's just pause here and I wanna talk a little bit about how we have to step out with God's promises. As we read chapter 12 in the book of Genesis, we're introduced to Abram. Now, it's important to note that God later changed Abram's name into Abraham. And so if you look at Genesis chapter 17, verse 5, and I'm going to read it from the New Living Translation, it says this, What's more, I'm changing your name. It will no longer be Abram. Instead, you will be called Abraham, for you will be the father of many nations. So as I talk about this passage, I'm going to interchangeably use Abraham or Abram, just so that we're clear on this. And if you read the story later on, you'll see why he changed the name as God gave another promise unto Abraham that you will be the father of many nations. When we read these three verses, we see that God speaks to Abraham and there are several things we have to notice in these three verses. The first thing is that God reveals himself. God clearly reveals himself to Abraham. Now, you won't really understand this unless you look at chapter 11. If you look a little bit earlier in chapter 11, you will notice that Terah was the father of Abraham. And they lived in this place called Ur amongst the Chaldeans. Now, why is this significant? Well, it's also referenced, if you look at that, in Genesis chapter 11, verse 31. I'm going to read it from 
the second half of that verse. It says this, And they went forth together from Ur to the Chaldeans to go into the land of Canaan, but they, when they came to Haran, they settled there. The reason why this is a very important thing that we have to note as we start off, as we talk about stepping out in faith with God's promises, is that God was the one who initiated and revealed himself to Abraham. You need to understand that it wasn't Abraham who was seeking after God. In fact, he was living in a land that was filled with idolatry. They were worshiping other gods. So in the midst of this kind of environment, here's God who reveals himself to Abraham. And the thing that I want you to note is this, is that when God revealed himself to Abraham, when we see that even when he wasn't looking for God, seeking for God, what you will see is that God did something that gives us a glimpse of the gospel. What is that? Abraham was not deserving of God revealing himself. Abraham didn't seek after God, but God initiated. And what you see is that through this, that God, in his grace, called out to Abraham. And hopefully right away you could think that this is our story. What is it that you, right now, as you're sitting there or as you're watching this, what did you do for God to reveal himself to you? I think about my own story and my family background. Uh, we weren't, I wasn't a believer um, until I was a teenager. So we didn't, I didn't grow up in a Christian home. Uh, we were probably Buddhist background at the best. And when I think about it, I realized that God was reaching out to our family. That we were living very comfortably in Korea, but God brought us to America. And I believe part of that reason was so that we can come to know him as a personal Lord and Savior. My whole family. Like there are things that God is doing right now that we don't fully understand, but we have to believe that it's God who's initiating. It's God who's revealing himself to us. And that's why every single day when you can just keep your spiritual eyes open, you will see God working in your life so that you will be able to respond to him. The second thing that I want you to notice is not only did God reveal himself as he appeared to Abraham, as he's living in the midst of just all this idolatry, the second thing you will notice is God rendered a command. God tells Abraham to live in his country, uh, to leave his country, his family, his father's house to a land that was unknown. This must have been challenging for Abraham. I want you to try to put yourself in Abraham's situation. Because that meant that he had to leave all the comforts that he had and things that he enjoyed. He had to leave the security of his family, friends. He had to leave the things that were very familiar to him in order to obey God. It's kind of interesting that sometimes God separates us from things and people in our lives so that we could be set apart for God and God alone and to do something great. In many ways, this is the same call for us when it comes to following Jesus. Uh, Luke chapter 14, verse 26 through 27. In the ESV, listen to what it says, and please read the yellow highlighted with me. It says this, If anyone comes to me and does not hate his own father and mother and wife and children and brothers and sisters, yes, and even his own life, he cannot be my disciple. 
Whoever does not bear his own cross and come after me cannot be my disciple. I mean, these are some strong words that Jesus gave to those people who wanted to follow him. Now, we need to be very clear here because I think a lot of times these kind of passages get misunderstood or sometimes we avoid it because we don't want to give up on the things that we love. But I want you to understand this. This verse does not mean that we should not love our family. Can I get a good amen to that? That is not what Jesus is trying to say. But what he's trying to say is this, that your love for Jesus Christ should be so much more that it seems like, it appears as if you hate your mother, your father, your brother, your sister, and even your own life. So it's not talking about hate them, But your love for Jesus is so great that it will appear and seem like as if you really don't love people around you, those you care about. He's talking about how deep this commitment to following Jesus Christ is all about. That's why in the New Living Translation, in that portion, it translates it as this. If you want to be my disciple, you must what? By comparison, hate everyone else. How's your love for Christ? Are you devoted to Him? Are all your priorities lined up with Him? That you want to please Him, you want to honor Him, so that when people look at your life, it just seems as if you love Him that much more than anything else or anyone else. That's why I think in some ways it's a compliment when people that are close to you say, it seems like you love Jesus more than me. Like, yeah. It seems like you really love church and doing things more than doing these other things. Yeah, because God put a love in my heart to love the things of God. Now, the thing that I want you to understand is this. He tells them to leave your family, leave your country, and go into a land, and it says here, a land that I will show you. Now, you got to remember that God does not mention to Abraham any specifics about where the place will be, but he simply says, to a land that I will show you. (laughs) You don't have to raise your hand, but I'm wondering how many of us are like, okay, God, I don't know, but I'm willing to go. If we're honest with ourselves, we always want to know all the specifics. And that's why there's this understanding that it will require faith to take God on His Word. Listen to what it says in Hebrews chapter 11, verse 8, in the New Living Translation. It was by faith that Abraham obeyed when God called him to leave home and to go to another land that God will give him as his inheritance. Read this with me. He went without knowing where he was going. Have you ever done that? I'll see you later. You walk out and like, where am I going? I don't know. I'm just going to keep on walking. Maybe some of you have. But he literally gave up everything to go to a place that he just did not know where he was going to go. Listen to some of these other translations. By an act of faith, Abraham said yes to God's call to travel to an unknown place that would become his home. When he left, come on now, He had no idea where he was going. No idea. 
Some of you are like, I have no idea either. So you, you're in good company. But the question is, are we trusted? Do we have faith? Another translation, the Passion Translation says this, faith motivated Abraham to obey God's call and leave the familiar to discover the territory he was destined to inherit from God. So he left with only a promise and without even knowing ahead of time where he was going, Abraham stepped out in faith. He stepped out in faith. And the voice translation says this, by faith Abraham heard God's call to travel to a place where he would one day receive as an inheritance and he obeyed, not knowing where God's call would take him. Do you know God's call? And are you willing to follow that call even though you don't know where it's going to lead you to? And even though you might not know all the specifics. And even if that means that you have to surrender and give up some of the things that are very comfortable to you or those things that you are familiar, God is saying, will you follow? As I was reading this and just kind of meditating on these just the first couple verses, I was just thinking to myself, this, this is all of our stories. And I pray that it is. I'm wondering how many times that God calls us to do something where we don't know the how and we don't know the where. But He speaks. He tells us, this is what I want you to do. And sometimes all we have is the why and the what. He tells us why. Because this is how you're going to love me. This is how you're going to obey my command. So we have the why. And we might even have the what. I want you to go to that person. I want you to go to that place. I want you to do this. So you get the what. You understand the why. But we don't know the where. Or do we know the how? As some of you have been hearing. And we've been sharing this. Um. Currently, right now, we are actively pursuing a location that will be suitable for our church and where we are right now. I mean, praise God for this place. We're thankful that God has provided. Uh, we are able to use this because the cost is so low. We're so thankful for the owners or those who are renting it to us. But as you know, this is just a summer and we're already packed out. And I'm thinking ahead and realizing that with the new start of the new school, start of the new season with a lot more families and single working adults coming into Hong Kong, that this space will not be large enough to hold all of us. And it didn't help this week as I was praying through this. I'm reading an article that somewhere around the world, I won't mention the place, they decided to kick out all the international students. Uh, and therefore, there are a lot of students from all over the world who are now not allowed to come back to this place, to this country, because of the COVID-19 and the classes that are now going to go online. If, you, if the class is online, you cannot come into this country. And so I was just thinking, like, if that's the case, when there's so many good universities in this, in this particular country, that means that there are some international students from Asia 
who will not be able to go to those schools, but they might actually now consider coming to Hong Kong because we have great universities here. Can I get a good amen to that? Which means there might be an influx of more students than ever before. The harvest is great. So I'm reading this and I'm thinking this and I'm praying this and I'm saying, God, we, we need to, we need to, you need to seriously provide. I don't know what the how, but I know the what and I know the why, but I don't know how it's going to come about. Also, if you're going to reach out to families, that means that we can't stick them in that little room. We're, we're thinking about a place where the kids can run around. We could teach them biblical truths. And so when the kids are being ministered to, the parents will come and they will get ministered unto. So we're, we're thinking through all this and we're realizing that in order for us to go to a bigger place, it was going to take more resources, which we do not have right now. That's the fact. So now we're thinking maybe we should have two services then. We'll do one in the morning and maybe one in the afternoon. And as I'm thinking this, praying this, then the fact becomes, do we have enough ministry team members? Because if we have two services, that means that if we don't have enough people positioned, that there will be some people who will be doing two services along with me for pretty much the whole day. And if you've ever been just like, you know, through a whole service and you're serving, it's tiring. You get exhausted. Sometimes, uh, you know, you need a nap. Or you need to watch sports. Somebody I know does that. Just to get their minds off because they've just been spent just from preaching. Or serving, whatever it is. So then I'm looking, I don't think we have enough people who are serving in our ministry teams that we can actually have two services. And it's not just the warm bodies. We need trained people. Because there are some people who are really good at doing things, but maybe we're not training some of these other guys. And so there are a lot of people who are not trained. And so you can't just stick a warm body in there. You've got to train them. So then I'm just thinking, guys, I don't know how this is going to work. Then the third option is maybe we could find another location and have two sites. Send Pastor Bo out there. And I'll do one. I don't know. We're just I'm just thinking out loud to myself. And that's when I realized we still then need what? More resources because two rentals. We still need trained people, more people. So I'm like, that is the last option right now. Why am I sharing all this? Because I see the need, I see what God is trying to do, but then I see what's in front of me and I just realize, I don't know if I could really step out in faith and trust and do what I feel like he's calling us to do. And then as I was thinking about this, you know, I'm sitting in my office, I'm thinking about all this stuff, and then I'm thinking about the circle. Some of you who are recently new to our church, you, you don't understand, but uh, you'll hear this phrase, the circle, a lot. And so just for, a, a, I don't know, just a reminder for the rest of us who understand, maybe for those of us who have just recently joined our church or you're checking out our church, that's part of our vision of what God has called us to do. And so uh, in some of the maps, you guys all know the maps, right? I think we've got to redesign it. Some, some of us, um, 
This came from a Washington Post article that simply said that in this circle, there are over 52, almost 53% of the world's population is in the circle. Thank God for India, thank God for China, and thank God for Indonesia. Those three countries alone make a big per percentage of the 53%. And something that we've always shared is guess what country, or excuse me, what city is in the middle? Or special administrative region? It's Hong Kong. Some will argue it's Taiwan, but it's Hong Kong. So from the middle, right here, we see that you can go out into all the different areas of the circle. This is the reason why in our church, what we're trying to do is trying to reach out to these university campuses. And, and can we turn to the next, uh, the other one? So we're trying to reach out to the university campuses. Because why? Because this is the next generation of people who will be able to go out and live out the kingdom cause and the kingdom priorities, the kingdom values. We want to teach them as they're young, before they make the money, before they make all these big decisions, that we're trying to instill kingdom values in those who are in the universities. And we want to try to reach out to every single one of the universities that are the government-sponsored ones here. And right now, we have one at CU. We have life groups in PolyU, as well as UST and in HKU. And we're praying one of these days that God will open doors for us to reach out to City U and Baptist U and even Lingnan and all the way up north in the Education University in Hong Kong. We want to be able to try to reach these universities because they're going to be the next leaders of the next generation. And as we start doing this, as some of you can visualize this, what we're praying for is that hopefully a church site can be present in some of these areas to reach all of Hong Kong. We have to reach Hong Kong if we're seriously about trying to reach the circle. This is the reason why we talked about how we would love to see life groups or micro churches all over Hong Kong. And part of it is through the whole MTR system. I mean, th this is just a vision for us. What would it be like if we had a life group at every major station or around that station where parts of Hong Kong can be reached? From there, if you go back to the, the uh, couple circles, you will notice that everything from Hong Kong right here, they're all within four to five hour plane ride. That's how we're going to reach the circle. And so as, as I was thinking about our space, and then I was thinking about our vision, the thought that came to my mind is, God, how in the world are we going to do this? That was the first thing that came to my mind. We're limited in resources. We're limited in this. But this is when I began to realize I'm, I'm thinking too inwardly. I'm just thinking about what's here now. And I was asking God as I was even preparing this message, God, give me a greater faith. Help me to believe. Help me to believe that you're doing something and we're just going to follow you and step out in obedience because of who you are. I think this spiritual journey that we're all on it's really about trust, trusting in God 
and who he is, trusting in his word. So once again, God reveals himself to Abraham. God renders a command to Abraham. That just did not make sense. And then lastly, God released a promise. After giving the command in verses 2 and 3, we will notice here that God gives six specific promises. This is very important. That with the command came a promise. And in fact, you will notice these promises because they all start with, I will. And it's mentioned six times. And you can't really tell it in the English, but when you study this, you realize there are six I wills in these promises that he gives. The sixfold promise is simply this. First, he says, God will make Abraham into a great nation. That's the first promise or first part of the promise. The second part is that God will bless Abraham. The third part is that God will make Abraham's name great so that he can be a blessing to the nations, to the world. When God does something great or he makes something great, it's because it's not just for that person, but it's for the world, it's for the nations. So any blessings we receive, even in our church, it's not just for us, but it's so that we could bless Hong Kong, we could bless the nations around, even in the circle and beyond. And then number four, he says, God will bless those who bless Abraham. And then number five, God will curse those who would curse Abraham. And lastly, the sixfold promise is that God will bless all the families of the earth through Abraham. For each of the I will promises of God, they have either been fulfilled or they are being fulfilled today. And that's a great reminder that God is always faithful to his word, that he cannot lie. So I hope you're following along. Let me just kind of move along quickly here to the verse 4, 5, and 6. Will you just quickly uh, follow along with me into this next section here? Listen to what it says. So Abraham went as the Lord had told him, and Lot went with him. Abraham was 75 years old when he departed from Haran, and Abram uh, took Sarai, his wife, and Lot, his brother's son, and all their possessions that they had gathered, and the people that they had acquired in Haran, and they set out to go to the land of Canaan. When they came to the land of Canaan, um, Abram passed through the land to the place at Shechem, to the Oak of Moreh. At that time, the Canaanites were in the land. Let me just stop here and look at these three verses. We notice that Abraham's obedience was immediate and without delay. Everyone say, without delay. This is something that I want us to understand that I feel like sometimes we overlook. That a lot of times for us, we calculate a lot. We tend to wait a little bit too long. There's nothing wrong with waiting. There's nothing wrong with discerning. But we see here that he knew it was God and without delay, he immediately obeyed God. He took Sarah, or Sarai, back then it was known as Sarai, took his nephew and his servants and headed for the land of Canaan, and he then passed through Shechem. Now you have to keep in mind, this is important, that Abraham was about 75 years old at this time. I don't know about you, but 75, it should have been a time where he's resting, He's probably retired. 
and taking it easy. This is just like God. When we least expect it, at the time that we don't even think about it, here's God calling out to Abraham with this command and releasing this promise. I pray that all of us, no matter how old you are, whether you are young, whether you are old, that we will continue to live walking in faith and trusting in God. I think for some of us, we get so easily discouraged because we think that God spoke to us about something. And we're even willing to step out in faith. But then something holds us back. Can I just share something really quick? I think this will be helpful for some of us as we're talking about faith, as we're talking about listening to God and doing something in obedience to God. You have to remember that when God speaks to you about something, that it goes through phases or stages. And the thing is that it is critical that we live by faith so that we can be obedient to God's call. Let me just quickly go over these really five quick stages or phases when it comes out to living out God's call. The first thing is the dream. He will always put something in your heart, a thought, an idea. That's why when you're reading the word of God, he will speak to you. And sometimes it might just be when you're just spending time alone and you're getting this vision, something that God uses. As some of you probably already know, the reason why we decided that this is, Hong Kong was part of the vision that God has placed in our hearts. If you go back to that picture, I don't know if you saw that, we saw that earlier picture, this picture with Hong Kong with the red dots, one of the things that I tell the other one, yeah, this one right here, as I share all the time, this was from an in-flight magazine on one of my trips out to Asia. And I was just kind of, you know, when you just look through the magazine, there's some articles and different things like that. And I just happened to turn to it. And then this picture comes up and I felt like the Holy Spirit was saying, reach Hong Kong and you'll reach the rest of the world. And I, I felt it was almost like an audible voice, but I felt this impression. So that's why I just took a picture. I laid it flat on the, what do you, what do you call that thing? The table. And I laid a flat, and I just took a picture just to remind me. And so sometimes he just places something in your heart, in your life. It's like a dream. And the second thing is this. From that dream, there's a decision. You got to decide if this is something that God has put in your heart, and you're going to do something about it. A lot of times, this is where a lot of things end. Because some of you are not willing to make the decision. Because it's going to be costly. Some of you, that means you might have to give up some things. That means that some of you will have to invest in some things. This means that some of us will have to pay the price and to work hard and to do things to move into that direction or that dream that God has given us. So there has to be a decision that is made. And then from the dream to the decision, there's always a delay. Huh. I don't know why this is the case, but something that I'm learning more and more in my life is that sometimes when he gives us a dream and you make that decision, it doesn't come automatically. And I was thinking, why is that? Why is there always a delay from the vision that he has given you to the moment that you make that decision and it seems like you're not moving anywhere? And I realized more and more after now looking at my life, a lot of times that delay is more for us. It is to work on our character. It is to work on some of these areas of our lives that if we were to do some of the dreams that we have, we would completely ruin it. 
or if it's very successful, we will not be able to handle it because of our character. So during this delay period, God is working on you. Some of that frustration, some of those difficulties, it's because God is trying to work in your life. And then from the delay, a lot of times you're going to face difficulties. That's the fourth thing that I see all the time. Because once again, if it's really from God, you made that decision, you understand He's working in your life to transform you, change you, so you can build on your character, then part of the difficulties, I believe, is God asking you, will you trust me? Will you trust me? Because if everything was going smoothly, you will never know if you're trusting God or you're trusting in yourself. It is so easy to do things in your human strength, in your human wisdom. That's why part of the difficulties in your life is to show you that you're not God. That there's only one God. He's the only one who could create the miracles. He's the only one who could do the supernatural things. And then the last part is the deliverance. Is that God supernaturally works. Delivers us and He allows the dream to become a reality. That's when we can give Him all the glory all the credit in our lives. Dietrich Bonhoeffer in his book, The Cost of Discipleship, writes this, the cross is laid on every Christian. When Christ calls a man, he bids him to come and die. It may be a death like that of the first disciples who had to leave home and work to follow him, or it may be a death like Luther. This is Martin Luther, those of you who might, not, who might know him, who brought the Protestant Reformation who had to leave the monastery and go out into the world. But it is the same death every time. Death in Christ Jesus, or Jesus Christ, the death of the old man at his call. Jesus' summons to the rich young man was calling him to die because only the man who is dead to his own will can follow Christ. In fact, every command of Jesus is a call to die with our own affections and lusts. But we do not want to die, and therefore Jesus Christ and His call are necessarily our death as well as our life. What a poignant reminder that until we die to ourselves, our own little small little dreams, until we die to our own ambitions, until we die to our own selfishness and self-centeredness, we're never going to experience the full life that God wants to give us with the things that he's speaking to us about. Will you take up the call by taking up the cross of Jesus Christ and to follow him? How about us this morning? I'm wondering what are some things that God has spoken to you about? What are some things that God has called you to do? Are you trusting in him and stepping out in obedience with his promises? We have to step out with God's promises. The second point is much shorter as we think about not only stepping out with his promises, but we notice here that we must stand firm with God's presence. Let's close with these three verses. In verse 7 through 9, it says this, Then the Lord appeared to Abram and said, To your offspring I will give this land. So he built there an altar to the Lord who had appeared to him. From there he moved to the hill country, on the east of Bethel, and pitched his tent with Bethel on the side of Ai on the east. And there he built an altar to the Lord and called upon the name of the Lord. And Abram journeyed on, still going toward the Negev. 
when Abraham camped out in Shechem, we notice that God appeared to him again. And then we see this promise of giving the land to Abraham's descendants clearly spoken to, to Abraham. Now, we have to remember that God's presence was with Abraham the whole time in this journey. God's presence was with him when he didn't know him, but God revealed himself to him. God was with him as he journeyed on this road to get into the promised land or the things that he promised unto him. And then we see that it was God that was leading and guiding him the whole time. From this encounter, we notice that Abraham then builds an altar, an altar to God. Listen to me carefully. Then in verse 8, as we have just read, as Abraham continued in this journey, he got to the hill country and then he built another altar. So right now, if you follow the story, he took his wife, he took his nephew Lot, he took his servants and he journeyed. And when he went into Shechem, he then built an altar as God says, I am going to make your offspring or your descendants and give you this land. He builds an altar. Then he continues on. He broke camp and he continued on. And here's God who appears to him again. And this is where you need to notice. This time he says, it says here that he called upon the name of the Lord. The New Living Translation says he built another altar and dedicated to the Lord and he worshipped the Lord. The Message Translation says he built an altar there and he prayed to God. What is the point? What we see is that by building an altar to the Lord, it was a sign of devotion and worship unto God. In building this altar, it is understood that there will be a sacrifice. And there is no clear sign, if you think about the story, how long Abraham remained in this place, Bethel. But the beautiful thing about the story is that the journey continued and God's presence was still with Abraham. That's why in the ESV it says this, And Abraham journeyed on, still going towards the Negev. Message translation says, Abraham kept moving, steadily making his way south to the Negev. And I want us to understand, if we could just draw some principles out of this, that some of you are still journeying. Some of you are still moving steadily. Some of you might not know clearly what it is that God wants you to do, but you're still moving. What I want to remind you this morning is that God's presence is with you. He's with me. He's with our church. So even though we don't know the hows, we don't know all the specifics, all we know is that His presence is with us. And the thing is that the Moses, Moses and the Israelite people understood this importance of having God's presence go with them. That's why Moses in Exodus chapter 33, verse 14 and 15 says this, and he said, my presence will go with you and I will give you rest. And he said to him, if your presence will not go with me, do not bring us up from here. So here's God promising my presence will go with you. And here's Moses saying that if your presence doesn't go, then don't send us out from here. Listen to the message translation of verse 14. It says this, 14 and 15. It says, and God said, my presence will go with you. I will see the journey to the end. Moses said, if your presence doesn't take the lead here, 
call this trip right off. Like, call it off. We're not going to go on vacation. We're not going to go on that plane. We're not going to go on that flight. We need God's presence. And Moses understood that. Even the Israelite people, Exodus chapter 13, verse 21 through 22, it says, by, the, by day the Lord went ahead of them in a pillar of cloud to guide them on their way, and by, pillar a night, by night in a pillar of fire to give them light, so that they could travel by day or night. Neither the pillar of cloud by day nor the pillar of fire by night left its place in front of the people. Like God literally had to give them a physical manifestation of his presence. It was a pillar of cloud by day and a pillar of fire by night. So they will see that God's presence is with us. Oswald Chambers in his book, My Upmost for His Highest, he says, having the reality of God's presence is not dependent on our being in a particular circumstance or place but it's only dependent on our determination to keep the Lord before us continually. Let's stop looking at the circumstances and saying, is God really with me or not? But it's really about you and I putting God before us and trusting and walking with Him. That's what we have to remember. We're all on a journey. This is when we need God's presence in our lives. And He's going to help us to believe and to trust as He's leading the way. I'm wondering for some of us, are you confident in God's presence being with you on this journey, even in this season? Some of you still are confused. You don't know what to do. You don't know how things are going to be provided for. Are you still trusting? Are you depending on His presence? Are you standing firm knowing that He's with you? Do you fully trust in God that He's leading you and He will continue to lead you? That He's guiding you and He will continue to guide you. Also, I'm wondering if we're offering up sacrifices knowing that God is worthy to be worshipped. Because when we stand firm in God's presence, that means that every day is a life of worship unto Him. That's why the one thing, once again, is that God will initiate our faith, but we must activate our faith. I wanted to give us some things to kind of ponder upon as we think about now God in light of this in light of knowing that it's really about stepping out with your promises it's about standing firm in your presence as you initiate this in my life and I'm responding back to you as I activate this faith here here are a handful of things that I want you to think about first thing is this learn more about God's promises there is no way you're going to live and step out with God's promises if you don't know His promises. That's why one of the things I want to encourage you to do is when you do your soap, when you do your Bible reading, every single time you see I will or some kind of promise that God gives unto you, highlight it, underline it, write it down somewhere, and begin to understand His heart. So learn more about His promises, the promises that He has given to you, the promise that He has given to us as a church. That will help you to be able to step out in faith. The second thing is this. Listen more to God than to others. Some of you are constantly trying to talk to people and there's nothing wrong. Please, the Bible talks about seeking counsel. The Bible talks about uh, getting, being surrounded by wise counselors. People who will, are further along with it. So there's nothing wrong with that. But I realize some of you depend more on them and their opinions and their thoughts of you more than what God says about you. 
What if God tells you to do something that is contrary to what some of those people that you respect and you love? Will you follow God or will you follow man? So start practicing now. That's why you got to take the time to spend time with God, listen to his voice. And when he speaks to you, even though if everyone around you says different things, that you can still say, but God says this, and I want to listen to him. I want to obey him. I want to follow him. And I, I think just a little side point to this is that you will never hear his voice if you do not make it a regular practice. Like, I, I'm guilty of this. I think many of us are. Whenever it's, sometimes I want to take a picture just to like post it up to show the, how crazy our world has become. If you ever go on the MTR, like what's the percentage of everyone on their phone? Have you, have you thought about that? And the worst are those people who never look up. And sometimes when I'm not being a good pastor or a nice guy, I tend to just walk right in, like I'm like, it's gonna be a crash course. I haven't done this yet, but I'm tempted. Like I'm tempted just as they're walking and I'm walking, I'm not gonna move, they're not gonna move because they're just looking down. I just wanna be like, ha! And they're gonna drop their phone. But I realized that's so mean, pastor, that's, that's not nice. So I drew a middle ground and I simply said, you know, uh, heads up, but they, they don't know what that means either. Or you gotta just like, go, you know, just like get their attention. And I'm sharing this because all of us are guilty. Is that we're constantly on our phones, especially during these 20 minute, 30 minute commutes. And I'm just thinking to myself, some of you are like, I'm on my phone because I'm doing my soap. That's the only time you do soap on a train. But anyway, that's another whole sermon. But think about this. At 20 minutes, if you would just turn off your phone, not check your phone, please, the world will survive. I, I guarantee you, if it doesn't, then you come talk to me. But the world will survive. The world will go on to even spend this coming week as you travel to say, this is a 20-minute commute, and I'm just going to look. I'm going to look around. It's a funny sight because everyone's like this. But just to be able to look and maybe use that time, close your eyes, and listen to the voice of God. See what he will say. Maybe he'll give you a vision for your future. Maybe he'll speak to you about a decision you have to make. Use that time to pray. So listen more to, the, uh, more to God than to others. Third, quickly here, look for more opportunities to obey. So not only learn more about God's promises and listen more to God than others, but look for more opportunities to obey. Every single day, there are so many opportunities. You got to be able to see it, discern it, look for it. And I guarantee you, even today, there's going to be moments where God's going to open up that door, open up that window so that you can actually obey. And fourth and last is leverage more of your resources. As we talk about God's presence with us, then we respond by building an altar as part of our worship and devotion to God. What you're saying is, God, in light of everything that you've done in my life, how can I use my resources, my time, my treasure, and my talents? How can I leverage this for your kingdom and for your glory? As you begin to ask these questions, God can use you powerfully. And some of these other churches around here in Hong Kong, they're encouraging some of their members to take that 10000 and to donate to some of these different ministries that are struggling right now in the midst of all the COVID-19. If God compels you to give it to our church, then responding in obedience. If God tells you to take some of that to bless some people anonymously, do that. 
Listen to the voice of God. Obey Him. Step out in faith and stand firm in His presence. You'll see God doing some amazing things. The video that you kind of got a preview, the 20-second preview, <laughs> is by YOM, which is uh, Youth with a Mission. And they have this thing called DTS, which is Discipleship Training School. And one of the major ones they have is, is in Kona, um, Hawaii. And what they do is pretty much it's a three-month training time where you study the Bible, you go through all these biblical things, and then the next three months, you go on the field. They send you all over the world. And as they go to different places around the world, you're actually trying to step out in faith with what you've learned, what God has been speaking to you about, and you live it out. Sometimes they use drama. Sometimes they do prayer walking. Sometimes they just go and just pray for people. But they're just trying to listen to the Holy Spirit and say, God, what is it that you're trying to do? Who do you want me to talk to? Where do you want me to go visit? And so as they do this, they begin to see incredible miracles, people getting healed. There's testimonies and stories of people who have actually had great conversations, people coming to know Christ. And I was just thinking, man, I would love for our church to experience things like that. That as you're getting trained up, listening to the word, the truth kind of invading your mind and your heart. And then on Monday morning, even today, this afternoon, as you go out, that you could actually live it out and say, how do I step out in, in, with God's promises? How do I stand firm with this presence? As God is activating this faith in me, how do I now, or initiating this faith in me, how do I now activate it by obedience and trust in Him? I would love to hear great testimonies this coming week. First, share it in your life group. Some things that God answered prayers to, things that God has done, maybe conversations you've had, connections that you would have never met with someone like that, but God brought this connection because you were listening to the Holy Spirit. Maybe someone will come to Christ. Maybe someone get healed. Maybe there will be answered prayer because you pray for them. And share those testimonies to say, God, it's never, God is never the problem. He always wants to work. But it's us who's not responding, who's not following the voice of God. So I want to show you this video because it's just a song that they wrote that came out of a prayer room. They have a prayer room, 24-7 prayer room. So they're praying and someone wrote this song. It's about to the ends of the ends of the earth with his love just going everywhere that god is calling them and then these are all pictures and videos of different teams that went out to different places around the world and what would it be like if we were to, able to experience that in our church in our lifetime i pray that that would be true of you because you're going to be going into the workplace monday morning you're going to be going back to your dorms or different places soon after this, I pray that that will be your mission field and that you'll make a difference for Jesus Christ. So let's watch this together as we close. Let's stand together, shall we? We wanted to take this time and close out here. And Do you know we have about 7.8 billion people in this world? Almost 8 billion people. And this world is, is huge, is vast. And the problem is we have a lot of people who call themselves Christians or Christ followers who are now following Christ. We're just okay with being saved and living our own lives. 
And I think maybe this is one of the reasons why you feel a lot of frustration and angst in your life. Because this life is not meant to be lived for yourself. It's not. And as you slowly start getting older and older, you're going to realize that more and more, that, that this, your one life that you have is not for you. The greatest satisfaction, the greatest sense of significance in a person's life is when you can live it for something that's greater than yourself. And that's why I think God in His mercy and His love and His grace is always trying to push us out into that reality of life beyond us. Because He knows that that's going to bring us great joy. Because He knows that's what we are destined for. That's what we were created to do. To worship God and to see many more people worship God. That's why we do missions. That's why we evangelize. That's why we love on people. So they can come to know this Jesus as well. Almost 8 billion people in this world. And if we look at us here and how many people we have, even just thinking about all the Christians just in Hong Kong, and let's just say that every single person who calls themselves a Christian are living out the will of God in faith and trust. Even then, it seems like an insurmountable task. That's why I'm wondering, Lord, are you putting us through some of these trials to get us outside of ourselves? Please don't misunderstand me. I know that the national security law that was passed recently, I mean, it's going to have some ramifications. I know that you have, some of you have very strong personal opinions about this. But sometimes I always wonder, are you this passionate and this upset or angry when there's lost people who don't know Him? Governments will not transform the world. Laws will not transform the world. If you don't believe me, I don't know what it's going to take for you to realize that. There are countries around the world with all these laws and constitutions that are made on the theocracy, understanding about God, but still chaos. So if you put your hope in governments, people, as the Bible says that some trust in chariots, some place their trust in horses, but I will put my hope and trust in the name of the Lord. I just pray that you will channel some of that passion. And I'm not saying it's not important, but channel it towards what's eternal. Presidents will come and go, trust me. Executive directors will come and go. But Jesus Christ, the King of Kings, He's going to be eternal. Souls are eternal. Whether they will go to heaven or hell, it's eternal. So I've been praying, say, God, like that means that we have to be careful what we say, what we put on social media. I'm thinking of all this stuff. Even those who go outside and they criticize, if they come back, they could be taken according to the law. It's some serious stuff. And now it's being tested through different things, but I'm going to say this to you. As I was kind of praying through this, praying for Hong Kong, praying for the whole situation, I'm like, Lord, we want to reach the circle. But maybe you're doing something that you're bringing things about 
that we're going to be able to do it better and even quicker than we expect. Some people are like, oh, this is turning into China. Well, technically, it was handed over in 1990, you know, seven or eight, I guess. So it, was, it is technically China. But then I was thinking, we don't have to go to all these countries. It's right here. You have a heart for Chinese people? Right here. In the international community, it might change. But I still believe in the circle. And I'm sharing all this because I just want to challenge us. God is wanting us to step out in faith with His promises. He wants us to stand firm by faith and in His grace as He gives us His presence. He's already initiating things in your life. I believe He's going to give us dreams and visions. He's going to give us strategies and things that we haven't thought about before. You know how crazy this is? I'm walking down just all over Hong Kong when I have to go to another meeting or whatever the case. And I realize that, I don't know, one of these days I might see you on the bus. I know it takes longer, but sometimes I like sitting on a bus because I don't have to move. I could just sit there. But also, more than any other transportation, it allows me to look out the window and look at Hong Kong. And you know what I've been doing? I've been looking around and it says, for lease for sale and some of these places are like incredible locations I'm like oh my god so I've been telling some of these guys leaders go find out how much it is and then they come back I'm like okay never mind <laughs> almost a million 900 some thousand for some of these spaces for a year no for a month am I correct a month was it yeah a month a million Hong Kong dollars a month. No problem, Lord. We got this. Are you kidding me? We can't even have enough resources to pay Pastor Bo, so he has to go part-time. <laughs> Pastor Bo's like, hey, man, come on, preach. Pastor, preach. I'm just, so you know what I'm doing? I'm looking at all these places, and I'm thinking, Lord, that owner of that building, haven't come to meet one of us, They'll come to know Jesus Christ. And we tell them part of being a follower of Jesus is tithing and tithe one of your hundred buildings to Jesus. Just one. And then we can worship. You guys are laughing, but I'm actually praying those prayers. That's how crazy it is. And I don't know, I'm not, I'm not going to share like, God says, don't worry, my child, I got this. Because I don't feel that. I'm just like, oh my God. Go check out this place. Oh, a million a month. Are you forget it seven stars it is we worship Jesus I think about all these people who don't know Jesus Christ and I'm thinking who's going to reach out to all of them I am praying the spirit of the Lord will convict all of us even just starting from today and then this coming week we will go out in faith and trusting in Him. We're going to move forward in obedience. May you hear the voice of God. And as you hear His voice, that He will give you the grace to then obey. Do it. See lives being transformed. Seeing miracles happen through you. Because you're holding on to His promises and you have His presence with you. Let's believe that by faith.
We don't have to go thousands of kilometers away. The world is here. And we want to share the gospel and fulfill the mission and vision he has given us for the glory of God. So, Father, I just pray for every single one of us as we all come to the foot of the cross. We just acknowledge that we need you, and without you, there is nothing we can do. I'm praying that you will stir our hearts by your Spirit. Lord, just just convict us. Lord, it's great to be part of Life Group and feel comfortable with people who we know we hang out with. There are things that we're passionate about, even to the point where we get angry and we want to do something. And all these things are good. But Lord, while you weep and your heart is broken over so many people in Hong Kong and on this planet who does not know you, Lord, just forgive us for our self-centeredness. Forgive us for our selfishness. Forgive us for our apathy that we don't care. We're saved and we'll know we'll go to heaven. Lord, I pray that it will be never said of us. Thank you for your global plan that you chose one person out of all the people on this earth and you promised to, to bless him, to make his name great to make a great nation, and through that, that all the world, the inhabitants of the world will be blessed. And we've seen that because Jesus Christ came from that genealogy. And now that we are grafted in, we are part of this great spiritual family. We haven't deserved it. We didn't deserve it. We didn't earn it. There's nothing we can do to present ourselves worthy of it. but you gave it freely to undeserving people like us. Stir something in us, Lord, by your grace. And this coming week in our workplaces, in our neighborhoods, in our dorms, wherever we are, I pray that you open up the floodgates. Use us, Lord, as we step out in faith. Wherever we go, whoever we talk to I pray that somehow they will see a glimpse of the beauty of who you are may the gospel of Jesus Christ be shared all over Hong Kong and all over the world especially in this circle that you've given us and Lord we're not going to look at what we don't have but we want to look to the person that owns all things so, Lord, be the gracious provider and be the empower so that we may be able to be strengthened to do what you've called us to do. I want to give us just one minute in this moment to pray for your mission field, wherever you think that that is. Will you pray in faith starting from today that from tonight or even from tomorrow morning as you go to that mission field that something supernatural there will be a shift in the in the spiritual realm that God will do something tremendous and I would love to hear about it throughout this week tell your life group leaders or you can contact me directly 
let's believe by faith as we pray these things, as we sow in the prayers, that God is going to do some powerful things for his glory as he initiates our faith and then we activate it as we live it out. Let's step out with his promises and stand firm with his presence. Come on, will you just pray with me just just for one minute and then we'll close out here with the song. Thank you for listening to the Harvest Mission Community Church Podcast. For more information, visit our website at hongkong.hmcc.net.